0: Good morning. Good morning, and <clears throat> welcome to First Congregational Church of Woodstock. Those of you who are visitors, we're especially happy you're here. And please sign the church guest book in the back if you get the opportunity. Also, those that are watching online, we're glad you're here. And we propose to have a great service this morning. This week, Pastor Doug is away in California getting some instruction about how to be a better preacher at the uh, Master's Seminary in California. Um, Filling in for him today is John Minan, Reverend John Minan, who's going to talk to us in Matthew. Uh, He is with uh, the Reformed University Fellowship of University of Vermont. Please check out his bio on the, uh, in the bulletin. Got a couple of announcements. Uh, there's two offerings today. Today we have the, the regular offering and then the deacon's offering. So if you're prepared for that, great. The Young Adult Fellowship will take place tonight at 6 p.m. in the church library. And Anne would, Annie Dedham would like to make an announcement.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you all. Um, for the women's ministry in two weeks on Saturday, so that's January 21st, we're going to do a walk at East End Park. So we're going to meet at 830, walk for about an hour, and that's all we're going to do. Um, there's no need to RSVP. I'll probably only cancel if it's raining or the wind chill is like too cold because I love the cold. So even if it's like zero degrees but the wind chill's is not dangerous, I'll be there. You don't have to be there. I will. And um, depending on the weather, if we have snow, which would be great, um, and you need like snowshoes or something, email me. I'm going to send out an email sometime this week if you need my information. So I'd love to see you there. Come if the weather suits your fancy. And it's a pretty flat walk, so it should be pretty
0: good. So, great. Thank you, Annie. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Please stand for the call to worship. Reading from Psalm 95, 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Heavenly Father, now may the Spirit of God be at work to help us to pay attention, understand, believe your word through the amazing story of your redeeming love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to hymn 195, Joy to the World. be seated scriptural call to repentance based on Romans eight thirty nine, and then we'll have a prayer of collective confession after which some silent prayer on your own to reflect on these things scriptural call to repentance we know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done together with me now the confession O Lord do not remember against us our former iniquities let your compassion come speedily to meet us for we are brought very low help us O God of our salvation for the glory of your name Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Please bow your heads. Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, almighty, omniscient omnipresent Lord thank you for the new life in Christ that you have given us the saving grace provided by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross you Lord have seen fit to come to earth and atone for our unrighteousness and sin we are humbled and thankful we are so incredibly in need of your power your strength we ask you that you fill us with your spirit of love and unity among believers we ask for your help to set aside our differences and look to greater cause the cause of Jesus Christ We pray today for those in our church that are suffering. Charlotte Croft, the family of Sue Hottenstein, Carol Powell, among others that you certainly, Lord, are aware of. We lift up all these people, Lord, in our congregation who are ill and suffering. Help us, Lord, as a body to be more caring, more obedient, more kind and long-suffering give us patience with each other and to give of ourselves as the opportunities present themselves I pray especially for our missionaries that we support Steve and Mickey Thrall give them wisdom and how to minister to the artists in their daily work spreading the gospel to the world Also, lift lift up our Pastor Doug as he studies, as he takes more and more interest in the things of the Lord. Pray, Lord, that he will safe travel back next week and that he will come refreshed, ready to spread more glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your patience and your love for us. Thank you that you came to give us new life, hope, joy. Thank you for your power is made perfect in our weakness. Pray all these things in Jesus Christ who bore the pain of all our iniquity Amen Ushers are coming forward to collect the morning offering Father, we thank you for these gifts. We thankful we are thankful for joyful givers. We pray, Lord, that these tithes and offerings the deacons will distribute to the church as the need arises and as the need is. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us everything And you have allowed us to give back just a portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Affirmation of faith is in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Please join me in the bold portions. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory, and their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Deacons are coming forward to collect the deacon's offering.
1: Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. ¡Suscríbete al
0: we stand for the creedal song number 735 Glory Patri
1: Glory be to the Father
0: Scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 9. Please remain standing. 9 through 13. I'm just looking at the first verse here. <coughs> as a young lad, I used to wonder about it. Um, uh, I mean, if, if somebody came, if I was working for an employer and somebody came by and said, uh, follow me, I doubt if I'd be inclined to to do that, uh, especially if I was working for somebody else. But we have to understand that Jesus, the Almighty Jesus, used that same divine, almighty power to pull Matthew from his tax-collecting days as a disciple. The same power that he used to raise the dead, to heal, So, starting at verse nine, Matthew nine through thirteen. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, "Follow me." And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Join me in the hymn of reflection. Come and behold the wondrous mystery, which is in your bulletin. I don't believe it's in the Trinity manual anyplace. No. Okay.
1: So this is a song we've done a few times in Sunday school, and I wanted to, to bring it into the service and introduce. Uh, it, it talks about coming and seeing the wondrous mystery so that we can see that in Advent uh, when we're getting ready to uh, welcome, welcome the Lord. At Christmas, and then also right at Christmas, and then following, come behold the wondrous mystery again and again uh, in the dawning of the king. So let's sing, come behold the wondrous mystery.
2: Church, it's great to be with you today. We're going to be looking at uh, Luke 15 uh, and 19, uh, the first 10 verses in each. Uh, and if you would, why don't you go ahead and turn uh, there with me right now? Uh, Luke 15. Uh, I believe it's the same page in your Bible as it is in mine. It's that's page 874 in your pew Bible. We're going to look at the first 10 verses here, and then we'll flip do the same. We read here, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And go ahead and turn to page uh, well, Luke 19. Uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 10. Instead of just verses 5 to 10, we'll do 1 to 10. We read here, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was, seeing, uh, he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, And when they saw it, they all grumbled, right? He's doing it again. Jesus is eating with these tax collectors, right? He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Uh, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." This is God's word to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for bringing us together on this Sunday morning. That we might be with you. uh, That we might be with your people here uh, in Woodstock. The people that you've gathered uh, here in this place. Uh, Father, um, you don't leave us in the dark. Uh, You've given us the light of your son who who enters into this world but you've also given us the light of this word which is a path unto our feet and i pray lord that you'd help us to see what you want us to see today from it by your spirit open our eyes to see jesus Uh, open our ears to hear what he has to say and open our hearts to receive and to believe everything that it is you want to impress upon us would this be for your glory and for our good and for the joy of the world We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Twenty-five years ago, uh, in the Chinese province of Shandong, a two-year-old boy was playing outside the front door of his home when two kidnappers came, picked him up, and they stole him away. This is a big problem in China, uh, child trafficking. Uh, Tens of thousands of children are kidnapped uh, every single year and aren't recovered. When their son was kidnapped, his mom and dad were devastated, but they were determined to find their son. They got friends and family together. They created a search party, and they started looking for their boy. But when days turned into weeks and and weeks turned into months and still their son was not found, people started to lose hope, and they gave up the search. But not the boy's father. Uh, The boy's father, a man named Guo Gangtang, he refused to quit looking for his lost son. Guo made huge banners that he strapped to his motorcycle. On these banners, he affixed pictures of his son. And next to these pictures of his son, he wrote in big Chinese lettering, Son, where are you? Dad is looking for you to come home. And with these banners flapping behind his motorcycle, Guo hit the road. Guo crisscrossed China countless times. He logged more than 300,000 miles on his motorcycle. To put that in perspective, that's like driving around this planet 12 times. He drove 300,000 miles looking for his son. He wore through 10 motorcycles. He got in car crashes. He broke his bones. He got robbed a couple of times. He emptied his life savings. He went into debt, and he slept under bridges, and he begged for cash so he could keep up his search for his lost son. And he did this without one ounce of regret, because 24 years later, of June of last year, Guo found his son. He found him. And you can see this tearful reunion online. It's on YouTube. It'll stop you in your tracks. It's breathtaking. Ahead of this tearful reunion, Mr. Guo and his wife they bought more than a thousand pounds of candy to distribute to their neighbours in celebration. Mr. Guo cleaned out his home. He tossed out old belongings to commemorate a new beginning. He said, our child has been found. From now on, only happiness is left. When I hear the story of Guo Gangtan and his son, I'm reminded of another story a lot like it. It's the story of another loving father who, with the help of his son, embarks on the greatest search and rescue mission in the history of the universe. It's the story that we celebrate every Christmas, God becoming a human being, the word becoming flesh, God traveling the distance from heaven to earth and liquidating his assets, as it were, so that he can find his lost ones. Why does he do this? (laughs) Well, Jesus answers that question in Luke 19. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, for context, when Jesus speaks these words out loud, he does not do so from behind a pulpit like I'm doing today. He, he says these words at a party. Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners, and this is causing quite a stir. I don't know if this is true of your high school. It was certainly true of mine. But in the high school cafeteria, there was unassigned assigned seating. There was like the cool kid table, which was sort of near the front. And then there was like everybody else. I want you to imagine Jesus entering into that scene your high school cafeteria. Can you see him there? <laughs> He's standing by the cash register. He's holding that plastic tray. On his tray, he's got that little carton of milk, maybe a slice of pizza hanging over that styrofoam plate, a little basket of fries, okay? He's just paid. And he's scanning the room. Where is he going to sit? And the cool kids near the front are doing this. They're waving him in. And he starts walking in their direction. He pauses at their table, and then he goes beyond it. And he sits like one or two tables down with the not cool kids. This is sort of what's happening in the stories before us. Jesus is mixing and he's mingling with the people that everybody else looks down upon. Sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. Jesus is mixing and mingling with the losers and the rejects. And the misfit toys. And the cool kids in our story, sort of the upper crust of society, the scribes, the Pharisees, the kind of people, frankly, who would come to Woodstock Congregational Church, they're all ticked. They're upset. It dawned on me as I was driving down here they don't pick up their tray and move over two tables down to sit with Jesus. They don't do that. Instead, they just complain. And they insult Jesus and they insult the people that he's sitting with, saying, what gives? What's Jesus doing hanging out with them? And Jesus answers their grumbling two different ways. In Luke 15, Jesus answers his critics with some short stories. And in Luke 19, Jesus gives us his mission statement. Now, listening to Jesus' short stories in Luke 15, and in listening to his mission statement in Luke 19, it's as clear as clear can be that God loves the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But who exactly are the so-called lost? Are the lost people out there? Not in church this Sunday? Or are the lost people here in this room? Or are they both? I'd say it's pretty important for you to know who the lost are, given that Jesus loves them so much. Right? To answer this question, who are the lost, I think we need to rewind our story a little bit. We can rewind the story all the way back to the very beginning, to page one of our Bible. There we read about God making the world a certain way. He makes it good. He creates spaces and he fills them. And everything is in its right place and doing what it was designed to do. Everything including us, human beings made in his image. In the beginning, nothing is lost, right? Everything, you could say, is found. It's in its right place. And we, image bearers of God, we're doing what we were designed to do. We functioned in the beginning a lot like a mirror. If I hold a mirror out like this, you would see the mirror, but if I'm looking at it, you would also see my face reflected in it, right? Well, the mirror is not me. It's a reflection of me. But that's sort of what it's meant to be made in the image of God, right? We're made in his image. And when we're in a face-to-face relationship with God, you would look at the the mirror and you would say, I see God in you. We're meant to be like that. Made in the image of God for the sake of imaging God. Being in a face-to-face relationship with him. So much so that when you look at me, when I look at you, we would say to each other, I see God in you. The problem, of course, is that we've turned away. That doesn't work so much. It doesn't work as well as it was supposed to. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Over the Christmas holiday, my wife Megan did a lot of baking. She made some cakes. She made some cookies. And she's teaching my seven-year-old daughter how to do this, how to bake. When Will is learning how to bake, my wife, who's a good and wise teacher, she doesn't just say to Willa, "Go bake a cake," right? She shows her how. She sort of works through a recipe with her. And God's a good and wise and loving teacher, too. He doesn't just say, image me. Right? He shows us how. He breaks it down. If you've never read the Bible, I suspect you've heard some of the recipes or instructions. Probably the most famous is the Ten Commandments. Right? When God lays down the law, gives us ten ways to image him, He doesn't say, if you do these things, then I'll love you and I'll rescue you. It's the opposite, really. God loves his people, he rescues them, and then he says, go and do these things. These laws are not a way of earning salvation, but a way of experiencing it. If you want to live a fully human life, if you want to live the kind of life that you were made for, the kind of life that you were saved for, Do these things. Keep God at the center of your life and not some lesser things. Right? If you want to live the life that you were made for and saved for, if you want to image God, be a person of the truth. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Honor your mom and dad. Work six days and rest on a seventh. Value life. Enjoy sex, but in the context of marriage, and so on. Right? Do these things and you will live. You'll be on track. You'll be at home with yourself, with others, most significantly with God. Well, here's how this connects with our conversation about the lost. God's given us a destination, something to aim for, right? imaging him. And God has given us a map or a set of directions on how to get there. His word, his commandments. And if we follow his instructions, if we stay true to this map, we will reach our destination. We'll be on target. We'll be in the zone. We'll be at home with God forever and ever, no matter where we go. But if we throw away the map, if we deviate from the course, if we try to chart our own, we're going to get lost very, very quickly. There's a rule in aviation called the one in 60 rule. The rule is simple. If you're flying a plane and you deviate from your course by one degree, just one degree, you will, be, you will miss your, your target destination by a mile for every 60 miles you travel on that line. I'll give you an example of this. Make it a little bit, I don't know, easier to imagine. Imagine a plane is leaving Los Angeles and it's going to Rome. It takes 12 hours to get from L.A. to Rome if you travel in a straight line. But if you deviate from that course by one degree, 12 hours later, let's say you deviate from that course by one degree to the south, 12 hours later, you will not be in Rome, but you'll be somewhere off the coast of Tunisia. And if you deviate from this course by one degree to the north, you will not be in Rome, but you'll be somewhere maybe in Austria or Slovenia. And this is important because we're talking about a one degree deviation from the path. If you deviate from the path by just one degree, you're going to be in a very different place 12 hours later. How much more so if you deviate from the path by 2 degrees, or 10, or 15, or 20? As I've said, God has given us a destination, and he's given us a route to get there. But everyone in this room, myself included, we've deviated from that path. And it's not like we've deviated by one degree. We've deviated by many. We break one command all the t- We break all sorts of commands all of the time. As the Bible puts it, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We have deviated from the course that God has set for us by multiple degrees. And we do so not just for 12 hours at a time, but for most of our lives. Consequently, when our plane touches down, as it were, we are not in Rome. We're not even in Tunisia or Slovenia. We're like off the map. We are, we are seriously lost. This includes everyone in this room. I'm talking about everyone here in this room. And I'm not just talking about those in this room. I'm talking about everyone in the world. The lost refers to the tax collectors and the prostitutes that Jesus is eating with. But it refers to the scribes and Pharisees who are criticizing Jesus too. They are lost as well. The problem is, is they don't think that they are. We're not as lost as them, they say. See, if the tax collectors miss the mark by uh, 10 degrees, the, the Pharisees are saying, well, we only miss it by two. <laughs> but is that something to really be self congratulatory about? <laughs> I want to put it to you this way I, I have a seven year old daughter, I mentioned, right? Her, her name's Willa. And Willa's at this age and sort of stage of her life where it would be super fun to take her to Disney World. She would think that's great. Well, let's say I've got the resources to be able to take her there tomorrow. So I tell her, Willa, darling, we're going to Disney World. And she's excited. She can hardly sleep tonight, right? We load up the car, we pack our bags, we fill up the gas tank, and then we hit the road. And we drive all day, and we drive through the night, and we wake up, and we're in Florida. And I tell her, Willa, Baby, we're here. And she looks out the window, and all she sees is a swamp. And she says, Dad, no, we're not. And I try to convince her, no, no, no. We're here. We made it. And she looks out the window and says, no, we didn't. You said we're going to Disney World, and this is a swamp. This is not Disney World. I say, okay, I admit it. Technically, technically, we didn't get all the way there. But we got close. And not only did we get close, we we made it further than our neighbors. You know, the the Johnsons, the Andersons. You know, they tried to go to Disney World last year, and they only got as far as Atlanta. We, We got further than they did. Aren't you excited? And she'd say, I'm not excited. You said we're going to a Disney World, Dad, and this is not it. This is a swamp. There's an alligator. This is not okay. It's not okay. And you all, Jesus would agree. This is not okay. Because it doesn't matter if your destination is the magic kingdom or the kingdom of heaven. Either you make it to your destination or you don't. It doesn't matter if you are a drug dealer or an elder in this church. Close doesn't cut it. You either make it or you don't. And we are all off by degrees. Two or 20. You tracking? I want us to sit with this fact for a moment. I want to sit in this metaphorical swamp outside Orlando for just a little bit with you. Because this is where the best of us wind up. This is where the best of us, those who are only off by one or two degrees instead of ten, we make it to a swamp outside Orlando. It's not okay. I think it's time we come to our senses. I think it's time that we sober up. None of us can get to where we want to go on our own because all of us all of us like sheep have gone astray we have turned every single one to his or her own way which means we are all lost which means we all need rescue this is the bad news but now with fresh ears and swampy socks. I want you to hear some good news. I want you to hear Jesus' mission statement one more time. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Your salvation begins with this fact. Jesus He came to seek and save lost people. He came to save those who are off by 20 degrees. He came to seek and save those who are off by two. He came to save the tax collector and the Pharisee. And he came to save the likes of you. Your salvation has nothing to do with your ability to go the distance. Your salvation has everything to do with his ability to go the distance to get you. It's that simple. In order to get to your destination. In order to experience the the fruit and joy of salvation. You need a rescuer and you need repentance. Both are essential. If there is no rescuer... If there's nobody seeking and saving the lost, we are stuck in a swamp. We're lost. And all the repenting in the world will not change that. But if there is a rescuer, well, that changes everything. It means help is available. But you've got to avail yourself of it. You need to receive it. Having a rescuer but not repenting is like having AAA... Getting in a car accident and then never making a phone call. Just sitting in the wreckage. That's stupid. A couple of years ago, after a speaking engagement at this church, I was driving back to Burlington, Vermont at nighttime, and I hit a deer on I-89 going 60 miles an hour. I survived the crash. I'm here. But the car was totaled. I pulled the car over on the side of the road, And I flashed my hazard lights. If I wanted to get home that night, I didn't need better directions. I needed a tow. And I think all of us can relate to this on a spiritual level. We've all done things, and things have been done to us that have stopped us in our tracks. We are banged up, we're on the side of the road, our lights are flashing. And perhaps you recognize at this point that if you're going to make it home, you don't need better directions, right? You need a toe. Well, fortunately, there's a God who loves you enough to meet you where you're at, and there's a God who loves you enough not to leave you there. But you also need to receive that hope. You need a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. That's what this word repentance means means to turn around or to change. And for lost people, this is a good word because when you're turning around when you're lost, to turn around, to change directions, is to face home. Repentance is a word that spells homecoming. It's a sweet word. Jesus says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angel of God over one sinner who repents, who comes home. This is good news to be believed, but it's also good news to be lived. And what what I and when what I'm saying clicks, your mind will change, but it's also going to change your heart. It's going to transform you from the inside out. And I want to rattle off three ways, how. I think this message will make you humble. I think it's going to make you joyful. And I think it'll make you hopeful too. First, the gospel, this good news about Jesus seeking and saving the lost, it makes you humble. Christians ought to be the most humble people on the planet because the Christian life begins with the admission that I have missed the mark. I lost the way. I am one of the billions of people that needed rescue. I needed God to leave heaven for earth for me, I needed God to live a perfect life for me, I needed Him to die a, sacral, uh, a sacrificial death. For me, And I needed him to be raised to everlasting life for me. This is the entryway into the Christian life. Admitting your lostness and need of rescue. And do you see now how that levels sort of the playing field? If you are a Christian, there is nothing to boast about except the goodness, the grace, and the generosity of Jesus. We are who we are. And we are where we are and what we are all because of him, because of his loving pursuit. We have nothing to boast in except for him. The gospel will make you humble, but the gospel will make you joyful too. There was a pastor named Jack Miller who used to say, cheer up, you're a whole lot worse than you think you are, (laughs) and you are a lot more loved than you could ever imagine, I'll say it again, it always makes me smile. Cheer up, you're worse than you think you are. And you're you're more loved than you imagine. Both of these things are true at the same time. You are so bad and so lost that Jesus had to die for you. You are so lost that he had to leave heaven for earth to find you. But you are so loved that he wanted to do both for you. He did so gladly. See, the gospel both humbles you and it lifts you up at the same time, doesn't it? There's a rule in economics that says something is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. You know, that car, you know, with the for sale sign in your neighbor's driveway, that house across the street, it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. What's your worth? Your life is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And God's willing to pay everything. To give up his life. To have you. Now that speaks to his generosity. But it also speaks to your value. The gospel makes us humble. But it makes us joyful too. And finally, the gospel makes us hopeful. Everybody in the world is lost, but nobody is a lost cause. Everybody in the world is lost, but nobody is a lost cause. And that's the final takeaway I want to leave you with. There is nobody so good that they're beyond the need of God's grace. And there's nobody so bad that they're beyond the reach of it. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And this should give you a hopeful vision, not just for you as you look in the mirror, but for you as you look out your window. It should give you a hopeful vision for your family and your friends. Your roommates, if you have one. For your spouse. The people you maybe sit next to in the office. The people maybe you sit next to or don't in the cafeteria. Jesus loves the lost. And the gospel gives us hope. Jesus came to seek and save lost people. That includes you. This message you What? It makes us humble, it makes us joyful, it makes us hopeful too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you have done for us in Jesus. Uh, When we're lost, we don't need better directions, we need that toe. We call on you now to rescue, rescue us. and help us to experience the joy of that salvation afresh today uh, and tomorrow and the day after that. Uh, Until we see you face to face, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I believe we have the opportunity to stand and to sing a a great hymn of response. Uh, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, uh, eternal comfort and good hope through grace, may he you comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.